Spoke Steel fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steel's War Room. I'm your host this week, the show, Matt Covey, as we have to take you behind the scenes into the minds of Kevin Colbert, Mike Tomlin, Omar Khan, even. And with that, that really this week, we're going to keep looking at the rookies that we just, that the Pittsburgh Steelers drafted. And this year's 2021 NFL draft, nine picks. We went through a few of those those picks last week. We went through some of the undrafted free agents. No doubt you're seeing a lot of content, you know, across our, the different Behind the Steel Curtain podcasts or on the on our website, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop, your non-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. But in this week's episode, I wanted to focus a bit more. Last week, we focused a bit of a deep dive on Quincy Roche. This week, I wanted to have a look at Kendrick Green and Pat Freermuth, um, and then we'll look at a few other things as well toward the end of the show. So let's kick off with Kendrick Green. Um, I've been able to watch a bit of tape from Kendrick, and I think I will still leave it to the experts, but needless to say, he definitely has that absolute mean streak. As we mentioned, though, you know, when we I profiled Kendrick Green a couple of days before the draft, and that was an awesome one to be able to do. He had a prospect grade on NFL.com of 6.21, according to Lance Serling. Um, height, it's fluctuated. Some places will report a 6.1 height, others a 6.4 height. Um, according to NFL.com, you know, he was recorded at 6'2", 305 pounds, 32 and a quarter inch arms, hands 10 and 1 8 inches if you're interested in that sort of technical piece. He was drafted at peak number 87 by the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was our first and only third round draft pick and that was the 24th pick um, in that round there. He has a 77-inch wingspan as well, which I was also able to pull off another website. Um, and that's quite interesting. It is Pro Day. Um, he was able to test with a 4.8840 time, a 1.69 10-yard split, 25 bench reps, uh, 4.67 seconds for the shuttle, 7.79 seconds for the three-cone, um, 3.5, 35.5 vertical, and 9 and um, nine foot 11-inch broad. These scores are eye-popping um, from a numbers perspective. Tristan Wirfs, who we know are offensive tackle there uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, led into a Super Bowl um, at 320 pounds, had a 36.5 vertical and a 10-1 broad jump. Um, and Wirfs was a fair bit taller as well. I think Wirfs is about 6'6". Um, Green, therefore, has a lot of good lower body strength. You know, if you look at Chris Lindstrom, um, of prior first round pick he had a 4.19 second time a 40 time 1.68 second 10 yard split a 30.5 vert vertical jump and a 9.9 broad jump Shaq Mason who we know from the Patriots he's a guard one of the best in the NFL um, you know last season was at an 84 5.4 on PFF um, ranking six out of all 80 guards and was a dry blocking man in Georgia Tech um, he's 310 pounds he had a 32 vet vertical and 9.2 in broad jump that's pretty incredible then when we look at someone like a Kendrick Green for the Pittsburgh Steelers because his vert- you know, his athleticism is, is jumping off the tape here. Um, he played offensive line and defensive offensive line, defensive line in high school. He played one season at defensive line that he redshirted, you know, um, in college level. He had fifteen sacks as a senior in high school and he was a wrestling um, 
you know, is a wrestler as well. And I think that does show up on a bit of his tape. I'm not going to begin to comment on, on how wrestling translates to different sports, but no doubt being able to use your center of gravity, being able to use a bit of power, leg drive, the works are definitely key parts of wrestling that, you know, even I know as an outsider. Um, he was actually a full-star recruit as a defensive tackle, weighing in at 270 pounds. Um, and Illinois wanted to use him as a three-tech um, three defensive tackle. Pretty interesting from that perspective. Obviously, we know Kendrick Green was drafted out of Illinois. Um, Lovey Smith's the head coach. There's ties there back to Mike Tomlin from when he was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well. So pretty interesting from that. He's only allowed four career sacks and had two career holding penalties. And... Um, according to SIS. And I think I believe as well from when I was doing some of my research with him, of him as part of the pick, he's actually only blown, um, had 20 blocks blown. And I think last year there were um, three run and two pass protecting. It might've been the other way around. But needless to say, that's incredible from a guy that's had 33 consecutive starts, only three at center. Um, and, he, and he sort of went into that center role because Doug Kramer got injured. You look at him on tape though, and, you know, as I said, I'll leave the film leave the film to analysis to experts like Jeffrey Benedict on our site um, and KT Smith. But you can certainly see on film, particularly if you look at any of the old 22 film of him, you can find even on YouTube, he's the only one allowing go forward in that line. And when you think about him next to a Kevin Dodson, it's incredible. It's the thought of this guy being as mean as he is and you know, being able to challenge that. Equally, one of the other cool parts that I found when I was doing some research was that he squatted 700 pounds um, about a year before entering the NFL draft. At the same time, Creed Humphrey can also squat 700 pounds. When Brandon Scherf, we know he's a guard, um, played with the with Washington, I think he's just signed as well on franchise tag. Um, when he was at Iowa in his last year, he could only do 655 pounds in the squat. So really and truly, Kendrick Green is a very athletic you know, performer, and we should, as Pittsburgh Steel fans, we should be inspired by that. That shows up. Is this guy Steel at pick number 87? I think time will tell. Time will tell that that's the case, but who knows? We'll see, and you know, if we can come through, we can come through. But one of the other things is that challenge that he's got. You know, since the Steelers drafted, you know, Pouncey 18th overall in 2010 and, and put him straight into the lineup, pretty much, only 16 NFL rookies have stepped in as immediate starters at center. That's less than two per year. Um, and of those 16, half of them were drafted in the first or second round. So Kendrick Green really does have his work cut out for him. That being said, we know that there's guys like BJ Finney and JC Hassenhauer, and they're hardly, you know, you know, a guy like a Ray Mansfield, the two-time All-Pro center who held off Webster as a fifth-round rookie. But they've done this before. You know, Finney has 13 career NFL starts, five at center. Hausenhauer started four games last season. Um, obviously, he's only played center, and we know, you know, if you can go back and look at um, Jeffrey Bendix articles there that basically show that Hausenhauer led a late-season collapse, apart from scheduling changes, Ben Roethlisberger throwing off and a few injuries on the defensive side of things. But look, there's massive expectations, I think, that we're putting on, on Kendrick Green. Be ready for him to make a few mistakes. You know, the other thing is, you know, snapping the ball. You know, when you've only played three games there and you've, you've, you know, you've come into, you went to college as a defensive lineman, you've got to sit there and think, he's going to make the odd mistake. We saw the, the penalty of a mistake when snapping the ball, I guess, if you like, and that penalty being a touchdown, you know, in that wildcard game against the Cleveland Browns. Still, fans, be prepared. 
Be patient with Kendrick Green. If we are patient with this guy, I mean, I right now can't come up with another nickname for me and Green. When he's, you know, that is always going to be Mean Joe Green's name. You know, it's, it's never going to be taken away from him. We've got to come out with something. I'm calling, I don't even call him the Green Machine if he comes off. That was the nickname for an Australian boxer. And as an Aussie, I'm passionate about that. He was one of my favorite boxers, Danny Green, um, spelt the same way. So maybe we can call him the Green Machine of the offensive line next to Dotson the Destroyer. But regardless, this is really exciting to watch. Steel fans. We need to curb our expectations. We need to remember that not every third, fourth, fifth, even second round pick is going to be on the offensive line is going to be a Kevin Dotson. But geez, I'm confident in Kendrick Green being able to give it a red hot go, and I'm excited for him. And I think it's exciting. I think it's exciting to watch him go into a camp battle against a guy like Finney. Does this bring out the best in a BJ Finney? Does this put pressure on Howard that we've got a better Howard sitting on that practice squad? I hope I'm pretty sure he's eligible again this year. If not, does this allow like us to get rid of Hassenauer? The other thing I like about this too is it gives the Steelers flexibility. You know, what if the, what if Castro does his knee? What if Dotson suffers an injury? You know, really on the season, we've got a guy that can come in and do that. Now we don't want that. We want Green to be focused on the center position. But it does equally. It means that BJ Finney could move into one of those spots if he absolutely had to. You know, I don't think he's performed very well at guard from all the, my reminiscing about him on tape there. But at the end of the day, a pick like this allows us flexibility. If he is recording actually in there at the six point two height, I do think it's important we only leave him to the center position. The bigger thing, though, I'm inspired to see a guy like this come in and make a difference. A guy that, you know, I mean, you know, the the guys were talking about him as a 2 a.m. guy a few weeks back. But the thing for me is that he's a passionate, hard, mean, gritty player who knows what it is to play Pittsburgh Steelers football. You know, he talked about that in one of his interviews. He talked about the fact that that's sort of the type of football that he wants to play. I'm excited by what Adrian Clem said. He said he's got that mean and nastiness that you can't teach, but the coaches like to bring out in players. The fact that he's got that, that's exciting for me. Clem's confident. You could tell that Clem news research on him. Clem wasn't just covering the basics. I could tell that in the press conference. I do a lot of work in media in my profession outside of BTSC. And you can tell that Ken, you know, Kendrick Green was a key pick for them. Um, you know, and I know I called Kendrick Green before the draft and I had him potentially in the fourth round. I didn't know that Pat Freemuth would be there on the board and he's a player we'll look at in part two of this week's show. I didn't know that Freemuth would be there you know, in, in round two. I'd hoped, but I didn't know for certain. That's why I was confident with five picks to go that he was the guy over Creed Humphrey because we I knew we had Kendrick Greenlater. I knew there was a guy at Trey Hill that went much later, I think in the fifth round to the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm interested to see how Trey Hill fits in there. Um, he would have, in my view, been, you know, call me Bastards Pittsburgh Steel fan, but he would have been much better coming to Pittsburgh um, and being converted. But at the end of the day, we got a player that was 105th 105th on Daniel Jeremiah's, you know, top 150 draft prospects. You know, he was one of the highest centers there. He's a guy that's ranked consistently in the top 10 to 20 in PFFs, guards and centers, um, you know, across the last couple of years of college football as well. Kendrick Green's an exciting player. Be excited for him. Be patient with him, as I said before, and we'll get the best that we could hope for out of Kendrick Green, you know, 
from not just this season, but seasons to come. And yes, I'm excited to see him continue that tradition in the number 53. Now, before we go to a break, I just wanted to sort of do a recap of what the, what the secondary room is looking like right now for the Pittsburgh Steelers. In part two, as I said, we'll look into Pat Frymuth and a couple of other, other key points about this year's rookies. But I think it's really interesting to see where we're sitting. You know, I labeled a number of different undrafted free agents last week and went through all those guys. But I was sort of thinking this week, particularly after we did have the news that was sort of broke um, 24 hours or so before um, I recorded... Steelers were in last week around Terrell Edmonds not getting signed on the fifth-year option, and I don't think that necessarily affects his long-term prospects with the Pittsburgh Steelers. If anything, it might be able to help us keep him. Um, but currently, the Pittsburgh Steelers will have the most money in the NFL next season in terms of salary cap room um, at, at about $74 million. I think I saw that projected right now. People forget that's going to need to include a t- some TJ Watt money, so you can scrap instantly 20, 20 or so million off that probably more like almost closer to 30 million off that we've got Minka to come we've got Bush to come we've got a bunch of different other players as well probably an extension for to it um you know just, just to name a few things but going into some of these these cornerbacks now we know that there's Cameron Sutton and Joe Hayden are the probably the left and right cornerback or you know the, the two starters safety you'll have Terrell Edmonds there and Minka Fitzpatrick You've then got Justin Lane, who's still going through those criminal charges. And I personally, oh, I think he might make it um, purely because he was that draft pick. But I think that he's in a really interesting position. I think there's a bigger challenge to him than what he realizes. You've got Shakur Brown there, who's an interesting player, who who was someone that could have been drafted from the fourth round onwards. I think he's another guy that's really going to sort of come into play there. Um, could be a bit of a... a sort of a slot corner option. I still think, though, if you've got if Brian Paul sitting out there in free agency, let's let's look at him. You've got Antoine Brooks Jr. as well, who in some depth charts is just a free safety. I wonder about that. I don't think he's... I think he's more of that strong safety slot corner, um, you know, dime linebacker sort of player as well. Um, Miles Killebrew, he's in there too. He's in the same sort of spot, but also can play in that inside linebacker position. You've got Trey Norwood, who knows what he's going to be? I think he's not doesn't have the size to play strong safety. I think he's more of a free safety that plays a bit closer, um, you know, to the middle of the field. But he's got everyone, from what I understand, and even in our BTC Slack channel, you know, people are talking about his vision. It's whether his body can sort of produce to that vision. That's interesting. He's reading quarterbacks, not necessarily reading the the wider offensive sort of lineup or formation, if you like. Um, you've got a guy like Lamont Wade there as well. I don't know necessarily how much he's going to be able to do. James Pierre's comes back. We know the Steelers liked him. What can he do? Um, that's going to be really interesting as well as Joe Hayden, you know, continues to progress in years. Um, Stephen Denmark comes into the squad. He's I like some of what he's done on tape. He's sneakily, you know, I think he could be quite a bit of a, you know, an interesting sort of challenger, if you like, to a guy like a Justin Lane. They obviously brought in Arthur Mollett as well. And Jeff Hartman wrote an excellent little expose on him um, on the website, punstillcurtain.com. So go that go check that one out. It's got a few stats from him as well. You know, whether he can make the squad, I don't know. He could be one of the older guys, you know, if there's those veteran spots, you know, on this year's practice squad list. And then you've got Mark Gilbert, who I think... You know, he's the nephew of, sorry, he's the cousin of Darrell Rivers, and I think he's the nephew of um, of Sean Gilbert. I like what I see from him on tape. I really like what I see from him on tape. 
And again, he's a guy like, I'd be open to, you know, does Anton Brooks Jr. go to the practice squad, bring a guy like that in. You cut Justin Lane for that. I'm open to get, getting rid of Lane. I think we've proved he can't do the job. Um, I think he proved that in that Bills game last year. I think he's proved that before. Let's bring in one of these UDFAs. We've got nothing to lose from it. Um, so, you know, I know that's not the way the Steelers necessarily do business, but hey, I'm open to it. Pittsburgh Steel fans, welcome back to part two of Steel's War Room for this week. I'm Matt Peverell and I'm your host of this weekly show. As I always like to say, this put, we look to sort of put you in the mind of a Kevin Colbert, a Mike Tomlin, an Omar Khan. So what can we expect from the Steelers' 55th pick of this year's NFL draft? Pat Freemuth. Well, he's a six foot five. 250-pound tight end, a guy that's been sort of nicknamed, you know, was Baby Gronk. You know, he's the fifth Penn State tight end to be drafted since 2010. You know, Mike Osecki was another guy that was a second-round pick. He was a guy that I was cheering for, as I, as I, people might have heard if you listened to last week's episode or you listened to this reaction picks. I had money on him for the Steelers. I, it was more of a, you know, when I saw him being available on day two, I thought that's going to be a fit, but I also just wanted the Steelers to look at the tight end room. I even thought I'd be open to him being drafted with the 24th pick if Najee Harris or Travis Etienne both were off the board. You know, again, if Creed Humphrey had gone earlier and that could happen, I totally saw Arizona potentially looking at upgrading their offensive line, so that's where he sort of, you know, came into play. I think the thing with Pat that's really interesting is that you look at his numbers. Let's let's start with the numbers. As a freshman tight end, Penn State, 2018, 26 receptions for 368 yards, an average of 14.2. He had eight touchdowns, you know, um, off that. That was, was a really good start to his time at Penn State. Then as a sophomore, you know, or sophomore, he had 13 games, 40, 43 receptions, 507 yards, an average 11.8 at seven touchdowns. And then in 2020, he had four games, 23 receptions, 310 yards, 13.5 average, one touchdown. I think the th- interesting part about that, though, is that that's four games. Look at that production if we would average that across 12 games. Not necessarily the 13 and 2019, but you look at the 12 games. He would have had, you know, and, and you can't just automatically multiply it, you know, by the full three. But let's just say he would have probably had over 750 yards, you know, in 2020. You know, he would have, his average was probably going to be a bit higher, but he certainly would have had a number of touchdowns. He had 13 touchdown catches and zero drops in the red zone. That's incredible. You know, that's the sort of red zone threat we need, particularly when you think, we have, what about Chase Claypool? I mean, what about the, the jet sweeps that he ran? You know, people were so worried about where he was going to line up on the line, and then when he ran around, you didn't know he was going to do it. Now you've got a threat like this. You've got Ebron as well. Like, what we could do in some of the, you know, the two tight end, you know, the double tight end sets in the red zone is going to be incredible when you think about Patrick Freemuth. You know, it's... 
I'm just excited by it. I know some Spitzberg still fans with a pick are sitting there scratching their heads. But, you know, he's a guy that had a 6.3 prospect rate. You know, he's a guy that we profiled, you know, in the early weeks of Steelers' war room. He's a guy that was is projected to be started in the first two seasons. He doesn't have to do everything either. And this is the thing that I love about the pick. Pat Freeman does not have to be the one that catches all the footballs. Imagine if we'd never signed Eric Ebron. Right, and we had Vance McDonald still retire. If he didn't, you know, well, it's assuming he's still retired, we would bring in a guy like Jesse James probably, and we'd still need to pick Pat Frymuth, and he would probably be, or we'd bring in a blocker, and there might be a guy like a Miko Pruitt or or someone like that. But as Pittsburgh Steel fans, since Heath Miller, have we had a tight end that you've been confident in? Have you really? Have we really had a tight end? We might have had a couple of tight ends that you didn't mind when it was Vance and it was Jesse, or you know when you had like you know Eric Ebron and Vance there together. But did you really sit there and be thrilled with the tight end room? I don't think so. Ben didn't have the reliable target. Now we bring in a guy like Pratt Freemuth, who is quite bendy, you know, for the knees. He does need to do some has to have some block development. That's definitely said. He's never going to be a, you know, your Mark's Matt or Mark Spate sort of guy. You know, he's never going to necessarily be the full Eric Ebron. But if you can be the combination of the two, he gives Ben options. He gives us options with a guy like a Jalen Samuels in more of an H back role. And I know Pat Freemuth did a bit of that. But the thing that I like about this pick, and it's the thing I like about several of this year's NFL draft picks, a guy like Dan Moore, Buddy Johnson's another one, but you know he doesn't help out on offense. But the thing that I like about Pat Freemuth, Najee Harris, Kendrick Green, and to an extent Dan Moore Jr., is that we are helping the offense post-Ben. If Ben has only got one more year left, if he gets a major injury, even if he's got two years left, these guys are going to be on the roster in 2023, 2024, and that's what I'm excited about with the Patrick Freemuth. I'm excited for this year what he can do where there's less pressure on him. But equally, I'm really excited about what we, what the weapon that we're going to potentially be creating for this offense. You know, the blocking will come. I, th- I really feel the blocking will come. You know, I also liked a lot of tape that I've seen as well. I saw some tape vision of him where he really went to that second level. You know, he was he was off the off the ball, you know, in terms of his formation lineup and his run through, blocked the first guy, continued on as he saw his running back come up. He fights for extra extra yardage from what I see when he gets the ball into his hands. You know, and, and I think that that's an exciting prospect for for Pittsburgh Steelers fans to have a look at. We want tough guys, we want guys that go the extra mile. Pat Freemuth is one of these guys. He really, really is. You know, he looks for the looks for yardage after the catch. He's a big body. Um, you know, he's got these you know these great you know arms as well. You know, while he doesn't actually have to live up to the whole baby Gronk hype, you know, I, I know for instance the NFL Draft Bible, you know, sort of talked about him, you know, as being a perfect fit for the league. You know, um, and that he will be a mismatch. That he was the number three tight end in the draft. I, I personally think he was at least second behind Kyle Pitts. But you know, they talked about him as being a player that, despite his injury, you know, his route r- route running has improved. You know, we know what Steelers can do in terms of route running. We know what Steelers can do in terms of developing wide receivers. Pat Freeman's joined the right organization too when it comes to the blocking side of things, where we expect people to be. 
to block. I mean, look at what Juju does in the, in the wide receiver game as well. You know, he's previously run a 4.72 in the 40. He's had a 4.17 short shuttle time in Pat Freemuth. He's a max squad of, you know, almost 600 pounds, a 354-pound power clean. I mean, this guy's, you know, he's a, he's a big bloke. He's a big bloke that can block and can catch. And, you know, I'm just excited to see what he can do. You know, I'm excited to see how he can fill that Heath jersey. I'm excited to see what number he wears. I saw, you know, one one projection on Twitter that had him at 88 instead of the 87 number. You know, maybe the 87 avoids him being, a, you know, compared to some of the other top tight ends around the league. Um, maybe you just take your pressure off. I like the idea of an 88. You know, I know that there's a bit of history there, you know, with Lynn Swan. But, you know, let it, he's a different position. Let him have it. Let him have it. Now, moving on. Last week, I went through a number of different free agents that were still sitting there on the board as we sort of enter this second, you know, round, if you like, of free agents, a free agency, I should say. A couple of those names, I just, I just was sort of doing a bit of thinking. Do we really, do we really want Joe Haig there as a depth piece? You know, was he protection in case the Steelers didn't get a couple of guys they wanted, like a Kendrick Green, I know it's a different position, you know, a Dan Moore Jr. Do we really think that, like, he's going to be that right backup? You know, and, uh, you know, I think he's had that famous drop in the end zone in the Super Bowl, what have you. I just wonder whether this is the sort of guy that we end up cutting that doesn't really make the roster. You know, does an Austin Reader that's still available right now. Do we bring in a Russell, a guy like a Russell Bowden? I know I mentioned these two names last week, but it's been sitting with me for last week in terms of since I did the podcast and since I listened back to it as well. Is do we have the right depth pieces at some key positions? You know, I also know um, that Lino has been released as well, the left tackle. Um, you know, do the Steelers look at bringing him in? You know, from the Bears, and he's an ex Bears player. You know, that's the sort of guy I would like to see the Steelers look at rather than us sort of sit there and, you know, just assume, you know, that a guy like Joe Hayes going to work. I mean, I saw Eric Fisher get a $9.4 million deal. Obviously, we know that um, Alejandro Villanueva has now gone over to the Ravens. I think his base was like $8 million over there. Good luck to him. Um, I knew that, I know last week I sort of said, I can't imagine seeing him in a Ravens jersey, but, you know, all the best to him. Good luck with it. You know, we can't wait to watch you get smashed by the Steelers' rush defense next season. It's going to be fantastic. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we'll see. A guy, I said it last week, Mitchell Schwartz is still on the board. Do we move Zach Banner over to left tackle? You know, just that give, means Chooks can play more of a, you know, a depth piece. It gives Dan more time to develop. You know, I just, I just wonder there, you know, if, if that's going to work. But it goes back to one thing. It goes back to the cap. What cap do we have? And that's where I think a guy like a Ricky Wagner, who I mentioned last week, might be really helpful for the Steelers. But I just wanted I just wanted to really go back to that because I'm starting to sit there and you know, we, we look at what the Steelers man are doing in the draft so much. But how does that affect the guys on the roster? And it's not just the guys that we know that we saw in previous seasons. How does it affect the guys that have been picked up to the offseason where they don't have a high, you know, bonus that we need to worry about they don't have a high cap hit that we need to worry about there's not going to be a bunch of lost money you know in terms of if we were to cut them they're not going to have a massive you know impact on the displacement either so 
I just think it's a really important thing that Steeler fans need to think about is there have been a number of additions that we've made through this offseason, but we're going to have to start, you know, as, as the weeks go on, there'll be moments, different milestones where we've got to cut the squad back. And obviously, you know, we've got to get get through the OTAs and the rookie mini camps, which are starting. I think rookie mini camp starts toward the end of this week as well. You know, we've got to get through all those things to sort of see where that falls. But don't be surprised to see a few of these, that in, you know, I believe, don't be surprised some of these off-season additions that we've had are not necessarily guys that will be on the roster. I think the same goes from the linebacker position. You know, there are guys like Avery Williamson still around. You know, there are guys like Quan Alexander, I believe, still available. KJ Wright, Devondre Campbell, you know, Tahir Whitehead. You know, there's some fairly decent names there. They're still sitting there. Michael Kendricks even, you know, sitting there untouched and they might all be names that you're sitting there going I don't want any of them you know you don't want a Shaquem Griffin either you don't want a Vic Beasley but or a Nick Zumba as well but at the end of the day these are guys that might be able to help with that, that depth they might be quicker than a Vince Williams they might be better than having a Miles Killebrew now we've got all these you know different special teamers that could you know for, that could come from the undrafted, you know, rookie free agents that we've got, you know, in terms of some of those guys in the secondary. These are things we've got to think about because this squad is put together. We want to compete for a Super Bowl. If you want to compete for a Super Bowl, you want to be as strong as you can at every position. We're now starting to get through that second wave of free agency too. You know, and it might take teams to go to different camps, which I know that the NFL has now approved, you know, the more pre-COVID style camp so we should see if the Steelers go up to Latrobe but that's the thing we've got to keep watching for and as I, as I believe do not be do not be surprised to see the Steelers make some moves like this I still though and I mentioned him at the start of the start of this week's show toward the start of this week's show and we were through that secondary I still believe that Bad's you know favourite out there in terms of Brian Paul you know I still think the Steelers should go after him I think you could get him on a, on a two year deal I, you know he's 29 years old I think you know he had last deal his, his average pay per year was about 5 mil can we turn that into a 3.5 mil with some bonuses as well maybe it's a roster bonus next year if he makes the squad is it incentive laden I just think what he might be able to do for us in the second I go back to Brashard Breland, who I mentioned last week. He played for the Chiefs last year. He's a great depth piece as well. And I say those two names because I don't really think we need to add too much more. I saw, you know, a previous article this week around does Stephen Nelson come back with his tail between his legs to the Pittsburgh Steelers? I don't necessarily think I'd want to bring Stephen Nelson back into that locker room. I like the idea of getting younger. But both Breland and Paul are two are experienced guys. They're both 29 years old. Brian Paul played 42% of the snaps, um, I believe, last season for the Jets. Breland played 64%. These are two guys that could really help add some veteran capabilities to that to that cornerback room, particularly if a guy like Joe Hayden got injured or particularly if Cam Sutton's being asked to do some different things um, and we don't feel the rest of the secondary is sort of up to scratch. They're just some things to think about. I think there's a bit less going on from a, from a safety perspective. I don't think there's a lot of that depth there as we sort of talked about last week. Maybe DJ Swearinger, you know, um, Sendejo that played with the Browns last year, but he's he's now 34. You know, I know Jeff Heath's out there, but he's 30. I like Malik Hooker. If you really think you need to improve that free free safety area, and he's better than a you know an Anton Brooks, who I don't think is a free safety, even though I'm seeing him listed there on some depth charts, you know, is he more athletic than a Trey Norwood? 
you know, if you can bring him in for, you know, 2.8 mil or around there thereabouts, that's going to be really good value from, from my perspective. But look, we'll see what happens. Look forward to rookie minicamp over the next, I think it starts, I'm pretty sure it starts toward the end of this week. Um, if it doesn't, when it, when, when it does start in the next couple of weeks, I really look forward to seeing those rookies start to adjust more. We start, we start to hear more from them about, about their sort of draft journey. And that's really, really exciting as well. Look, but as I said last week, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers, has everything with your draft needs. Jeff mentioned it in one of his Ride or Die podcasts. I think it's a really key one. If you want any article about the draft picks or you want you know, any coverage that we've done at Behind the Steel Curtain, if you scroll down a little bit, there's actually a tab that says all you need to know about day one picks, all you need to know about day two picks, all you need to know about day three picks. Those are still being updated. So if you click on those articles, it will then have a drop down once you're into those articles. It will have everything listed by date and little synopses and title of all the different articles that we've the team have produced at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com on these picks. Go check them out. It makes it so much easier. So you need to scroll down. There'll be a little black bar with a couple of highlighted articles, and it's just after that. Um, you know, so it's probably a couple of little scrolls with the button or a couple of clicks on the on the, the down of the scroll bar but really, really helpful to have it compiled all there. You don't need to go searching. You don't need to try and search through Google or search through, you know, um, SB Nation. You can, or even and through the Behind the Steel Curtain homepage, you just literally can do that. The other thing that I recommend too, if you want to stay up to date with all your Pittsburgh Steelers and Behind the Steel Curtain news as well, Save it as save it as a as an icon on your on your home screen of your of your iPhone or you know save it as same as an icon um, add to your home page there if you're on Android too that's what I do you can yes you can get the Steelers up fine but you're not going to get the analysis you're not going to get that fan ideas you're only going to get what the team are able to put out you know from an app perspective we don't have an app but by adding it to the home page you can have it sitting alongside the apps i know for me it just makes it so much easier than having to go into you know one of your internet browsers whether using a chrome or a safari or another type of browser you know and then having to type behind steel curtain.com what have you easy just have an icon on your phone click it go with it but that's with that still fans that's this week's episode of Steelers War Room hope you enjoyed it look forward to chatting to you next week as we dive deeper into this rookie draft class and we head to you know we progress forward in this offseason and get closer to the start believe it or not of the 2021 NFL season.